Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the expository story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Well, we encountered Jacob again in Genesis 29, and he is a new man. It says there in Genesis 29 that after this great vision of this ladder to heaven, that he continues on to be with his uncle Laban up north, right? Well, that word continuing on, it says there in Genesis 29, well, that word is this idea of he picked up his feet quickly. It's this idea of energy. He's a new man. He's a changed man. How could you not be? He now knows God is on his side. And Yahweh has promised to be for him and to bless him and to protect him. Yes, he's a changed man. Well, he gets up to Padanaram. Basically, old Haran. And he gets up there and he says, I've got to find my uncle Laban. And he thinks, how in the world am I going to do that? Well, back then, if you wanted to find somebody, one of the best places to go were the wells that were populated around in the desert. Because remember, this is a desert dry region. And so water was super important. So if you wanted to water your sheep or water your goats or just get a drink yourself, you had to know where the wells were. Well, one of the best ways to meet people was to hang out at a well. Later on, Jesus meets the woman at the well. You know, this was also a a friendly place to do business, to catch up on the news. Well, he starts going from well to well, and eventually he finds a well where he says, Hey, does anybody know where Laban, my uncle, is? Because Laban's a bit of a nomad. You know, he didn't stay in one spot. They don't just have a house. They would move around with their cattle looking for, you know, and their sheep looking for fresh grazing. And so he wasn't exactly certain where he was. And Padan Aram was this broad area. Well, eventually he comes to a well, it says there in Genesis 29, and it says he finds a well with shepherds hanging out and three flocks of sheep just around the well. And over the well, it says there was a large rock. Well, they would put a big rock over the mouth of the well to keep the bird poop out of it, the camel poop out of it, the leaves, the, you know, whatever else would fall into it. But it was a big, heavy rock. And eventually they would wait till enough people wanted water. Then they would remove the rock and then everybody would get water and they'd water their animals. And it was a great time. And again, this is where they'd share ideas and talk. Well, eventually he finds a well where the shepherds waiting to water their flocks. They're like, yeah, we know Laban. Yeah, he's in this area. In fact, here comes Rachel, his daughter, a shepherdess. And Jacob looks over and he sees the most beautiful woman he's ever seen. He's so, she is so beautiful. He starts to weep. It says there in Genesis 29, 
Now, have you ever seen somebody so beautiful they make you want to cry? I don't know. Well, I do think part of the reason he's weeping is, yes, I finally found family in the middle of this desert, and I've been by myself for such a long time, finally. But it says he is overcome by her beauty. And it says that he lifts up the rock himself. I mean, this is a big rock. Jacob wasn't as manly, I guess, as Esau. Esau must have been hugely buff, dude. But still, he was no wimp himself. And he moves this rock and it says he, he kisses Rachel on the cheek. It's a little odd and he's weeping. And I wonder if Rachel's thinking, why is this guy weeping? And then he says, hey, I'm your kinsman. I'm your relative. Really, Rachel says. And Jacob says, let me water your sheep for you. And so he waters the sheep. And Rachel runs back to her dad, Laban, and says, hey, I've just met somebody named Jacob who says that he's your sister's son. And and Laban's like, oh, yes, Rebecca. Yeah, she had Esau. And ja it's Jacob. It's Jacob. And so eventually Jacob shows up to Laban. And they have a big hug and a big embrace and everything is great. But what Jacob does not realize is he is hugging one of the craftiest people you will ever meet. Well, Jacob, he's still a deceiver. But he's hugging a man who is far bigger a deceiver than him. You think Jacob's bad? Well, Laban is even worse, and Jacob doesn't know it. He's just excited to see family, and he is excited to see Rachel. He's in love with Rachel. His heart pounds, bong, 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 bong. His nostrils flare. He is in love. Oh, Rachel, Rachel, Rachel. It says there in Genesis 29 that Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance. It uses two words there, form and appearance. It's not just saying, hey, Rachel is beautiful. It's saying Rachel is beautiful twice. You know, she's not only beautiful and lovely of form, she is also lovely of appearance. In other words, she is the babe of the block. She is just drop-dead beautiful. It also says in Genesis 29 that Rachel has an older sister named Leah. And Leah, on the other hand, says, had soft eyes. Now, what does that mean to have soft eyes? You know, it doesn't mean she was blind or just she couldn't see as well or anything like that. And in fact, Leah might have been pretty in her own way. She wasn't ugly, but she was just, she didn't sparkle as much. You know, she didn't pop. Leah sort of was just sort of dull, sparkle less. And in comparison, her younger sister, Rachel, she sparkled. She was beautiful. Oh, and everybody loved Rachel. Can you imagine growing up with, with your younger sister? Everybody notices your younger sister. Oh, who, who are you? Oh, that's Leah. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then people start talking to you. Oh, hey, how are you, Leah? I'm so great to meet you. Now they meet you on the playground for the first time. But then in walks Rachel. Wow. And they leave Leah in the dust for amazing Rachel. 
boys would hand notes to Leah. And Leah thinks, oh, somebody loves me. And the boy goes, no, no, no. Could you pass it on to Rachel? Please let her know I like her. I really like her. Can you imagine growing up as a sister to Rachel, the babe of the block, the fairest of the flock? Everybody loved Rachel. Passing notes to you to pass to Rachel. Everybody wants to know, hey, can you talk to Rachel for me? Rachel, 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 Rachel. And you're just known as Leah Soft Eyes. Well, I wonder if Leah struggled with that. Well, after spending a month with Laban... Laban says, hey, you know, you've worked for me a month. We got to do something here. What, what, what do you want to do? You can't just work for free. And, and Jacob's like, all right, listen, I would like to marry your daughter, Rachel. And Laban's like, oh. See, back then, the average price for a bride. See, back then, you didn't just get married. You had to pay the father of the bride. It's called a dowry. And a dowry was something you paid to the family of the bride, and that dowry was important. Well, the historians and scholars who look at manuscripts of the time say, based on the history and what we've looked at, the average dowry that you had to pay to, to marry somebody was 35 shekels. Now, the average man made one and a half shekels a month. Can you imagine that? So you wanted to pay 35 shekels for your wife but you only made one and a half shekels a month, it would take you about two years of working to save up enough money to pay for somebody to let you marry his daughter so you could have a wife. See, Jacob didn't have any money at all. He was poor. He showed up penniless. And if you didn't have the dowry price, if you weren't rich enough to pay it for yourself, one of the ways you could do it was saying, all right, listen, I'll work for you, and instead of you paying me money, that'll go towards dowry, and then eventually I'll pay off the dowry, and then I'll be able to marry your daughter. Yes! Well, if you do the math, if you if you can make one and a half shekels a month, and it takes me 35 shekels to buy my new wife, well, that would basically be two years of work. I will indenture myself to you. I'll become your servant for two years so that I can Save up enough dowry, pay you enough, so I can marry your daughter. Well, Jacob, he's a deceiver, right? He's thinking, he's a manipulator. He's thinking, ah, Rachel's too beautiful. I, I can't lose her. You know, in, in my two years, what if somebody comes along and offers triple or worse? Or So he says, you know what, Laban? I will work for you seven years. Like I said, the average time to, to get 35 shekels was two years. And here, Jacob's offering seven years. That's three and a half times the normal price. Why in the world would Jacob do that? I think, number one, like I said, Jacob's a bit of a manipulator. And he knows that I've got Laban with this one. But I also think he's doing it because he will do anything for Rachel. He will do anything to get her. He loves her so much. He is so smitten with her. Well, Laban says, all right, I agree. And it's interesting. Laban doesn't shake Jacob's hand and says, yes, I agree on that price. He doesn't say that. 
Laban, like I said, is deceptive himself. And he says, well, you know, it's better that I give her to you than I should give her to any other man. Stay with me. Yes, this will work. It's a bit of a wishy-washy agreement. Well, they agree to whatever this agreement was. And in Jacob's head, he thinks, if I work seven years for Laban, I will get Rachel to be my wife. On well, Genesis 29, you then hear one of the most romantic lines in the Bible. Someday when you meet a woman, if you got to wiggle these verses in to impress her, because again, this is one of the most romantic lines in the Bible. It says there in Genesis 29, verse 20. So Jacob served Laban for seven years. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel. And here's the romantic part. And they seemed to him but a few days days because of the love he had for her oh seven years just flew by because he loved her so much he'd be out there shearing a sheep he'd look over and he's shearing his 150th sheep of the day in the hot hot sun and he looks over and he sees rachel and rachel winks at him and he winks back and he ends up shaving the hair off his leg. And Wait, where'd the sheep go? Oh, I, I don't care. I love, love Rachel. You know, maybe later on he's digging a well in the hot sun. And this clay is hardly moving. He's mad. But he looks up and he sees Rachel carrying a water pot. She's going to be my bride. And Rachel waves. And Jacob is chunking. Oh, I just put the shovel on my toe ow, 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 but he doesn't care he's in love with Rachel well at the end of the seven years in verse 21 Jacob comes to Laban then he says one of the most unromantic things ever they say people who study this passage that this was like one of the rudest things to have said. And, and for a patriarch, I guess a lot of the rabbis would look at this and they would wonder, you know, Jacob was a patriarch of our people, but he said this really uncouth thing. It says there in verse 21, Jacob comes to Laban at the end of the seven years. He says, give me my wife that I may go into her for my time is completed. Basically, in the Hebrew, he's saying, give me Rachel. I'm going to have sex with her. The seven years are up. I mean, whoa. Where was this love? This sounds like major <laughs> lust on his part. You know, seven years of lust is now over and I want my wife. And Laban's like, well, all right, let's get this party started. And so they had a wedding. In our day, you have a wedding that's over in a day and then you have the party afterwards and then it's done and you go on the honeymoon. Well, back in ancient Aries, you would party for a week and people would show up from all over the place and people would bring family and friends and their friends and their family and it was a huge feast, but people would start to drink and share a lot of alcohol and people would slowly get drunk and at some point during that week, you get married. Well, during that whole week, if you're the bride, you wore a veil over your face. 
And I can imagine Jacob looks over and he sees Rachel and he sees the veil over her face and he can't really see the face of Rachel, but he's just so excited. Yes, I'm finally going to be with Rachel, the one I love. And finally the wedding occurs and they go into the couple's tent. They're going to be husband and wife for the first time time and they spend the night together and he wakes up the next day and oh he is a slightly inebriated and a bit of a headache from that alcohol but he he rolls over and he's excited to finally be with his beloved Rachel and he pushes the hair away from her face and ah! what is this this isn't Rachel at all. He was laying in bed next to Leah, the older sister. He had ended up marrying Leah. And Jacob was furious. He was like, I, I, I worked seven years for Rachel, not for Leah. And he gets out of the tent and he runs over and he finds Laban and he says, what in the world is this? Why did you give me Leah? I worked seven years for Rachel. And Laban says something really significant. He says, literally in the Hebrew, he says this, Around here, it is not the custom to put the younger before the older. I mean, that seems like a really lame excuse. I'd be like, hey, that, that is no excuse at all. I worked for seven years for Rachel. I don't care what your custom is. And I would put up a fight and a stink and a complain. And I would be like, what is wrong with this? But in response, Jacob, Jacob says nothing. Why is that? Well, I think it's because of the way Laban said it. And I think it was a bit of a dig, a bit of a, stab in Jacob's side, you know, because he says, around here, it is not the custom to put the younger before the older. Hmm. Who just got done doing that? Who just got done deceiving his dad and putting himself above the older, his brother? And I wonder if Laban had heard that old story. And he'd use that situation to manipulate things. And he says, you know what? What you did, I'm doing to you. And I wonder if God in some way is saying to Jacob, what you did back there, you tried to do in your own way. You know, guess what? You deceived Isaac, your dad. What's it feel like to be deceived here? It doesn't feel so good, does it? It doesn't feel so good. And I think Jacob's conscience was pricked and he's put his head down and he realizes I, I can't say anything I'm as I'm as bad as Laban but Laban says hey cheer up cheer up uh, how about this you complete this wedding feast you complete the week here with with Leah and she'll be your wife and then next week we'll do another wedding feast and you can marry Rachel but you gotta work for me another seven years will you do that I'll let you marry Rachel next week if you just promise to work for me another seven years after it. And Jacob is like, all right, yes, because I love Rachel. 
Oh, Rachel is the best. So another wedding feast the next week and he ends up marrying Rachel. And now guess what? He's got two wives. And not only does he have two wives, he has two sisters for wives. Now the Bible does not encourage or promote polygamy at all. Nowhere in this passage is Jacob praised for doing this. In fact, I wonder if God had shown Jacob, hey, I want you to marry Leah. Leah ends up producing for Jacob six of his 12 sons. Six. Rachel only produces two. Later on, Leah ends up being buried next to Jacob in a great grave of honor. Rachel dies along the side of the road and they just bury her right there. Rachel ends up being this huge thorn in the side of Jacob and a lot of the strife in the family comes through Rachel. And I think when Jacob woke up next to Leah, he should have said, this is what God wants me to do. This is, this may not be my choice, but clearly this is what God wants me to do. Because he could have thought back to the stories of Adam and Eve and realized he should only have one wife for life while he's married. I'm stuck with Leah, and he should have just gone with that because Leah ended up being a beautiful person of character. And Rachel, not so much, but Jacob, he loved Rachel. And so he married her, and it says there in Genesis chapter 29, that Jacob loved Rachel more than Leah. You know, I said that was one of the most romantic verses in the Bible, right? That he worked seven years and they just felt like a couple of days. I think one of the saddest verses in the Bible is in the same chapter. Because it says there that Jacob loved Rachel more than Leah. And then verse 31, when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, Jacob didn't literally hate her. It's this idea of he just didn't prefer her, you know? He preferred everybody else, you know? When Rachel burnt the pancakes, oh, it was cute and funny. But when Leah burnt the pancakes, I can't believe he did that again. When Rachel did her hair and was all just tussled, he's like, oh, you're still beautiful. But when Leah did her hair the same way and wasn't perfect, he's like, typical Leah. He just didn't prefer her and he loved Rachel. Can you imagine living in that situation? Well, the Lord saw it. It says there in verse 31, when Yahweh saw that Leah was hated, the Lord sides with the downtrodden. If you're that person who you get ignored, your brother's more athletic, more handsome, your sister's better looking, and nobody notices you, I want to encourage you, God does. If you feel marginalized and left behind, squashed down by the world, God sees that. And it says, when the Lord, when Yahweh saw that Leah was hated, he said, Leah, you are going to get pregnant by Jacob. And Rachel, your sister, she's going to produce no kids for a long time. God, Yahweh, blessed Leah with children. Well, the first child that she produced was a child named Reuben. 
this was Jacob's first son. And, you know, I can imagine she says, look, here is Reuben. And Reuben, the name literally means see a son. Look, Jacob, see a son. I produced a son. Isn't this great? A son. I can imagine Jacob says, oh, yes. Wow, my first boy. This is wonderful. Oh, great. Thanks, Leah. But, you know, Rachel's really sad about not being able to produce her own son. And I'm going to go with her for a walk. And then we're going to go to a spa. She, she's going to have a mental health day. We, she, she really needs some work and just encouragement. But, hey, good job, Leah. Good job, Leah. Jacob was still infatuated with Rachel and barely noticed Leah and what she's doing. Well, guess what? She gives birth again. And the second son is named Simeon, which means to hear. Yes, look, now Jacob will hear me. Now Jacob will talk to me. And she says, look, here's Simeon. And Jacob's like, yes, a second boy. Thank you so much. This is awesome. This is great. And... Hey, did you hear that Rachel's getting really good with pancakes now? She hasn't burnt any in a long time. In fact, we're moving on to scrambled eggs. Rachel is doing great. I'm so proud of Rachel and how she's improving in little ways with her cooking. Isn't that great, Leah? Isn't that great? And Leah's like, yeah. Again, Jacob just refuses to notice Leah. A couple years later, guess what? She produces a third child, and this child she names Levi, which means attached. And she thinks, finally, with three boys, Jacob will become attached to me and not to Rachel. Well, I can imagine once again, she says, look, here's Levi. And Jacob takes Levi in his arms and says, oh, this is great. This is wonderful. I'm going to take him with me and Rachel. We're going to go for a walk. We're going to take the camel around that big palm tree over there. And we're going to spend some time together. This is going to be great. Again, she's a little sad. Just just keep it quiet. Hey, Rachel, Rachel, where are you, Rachel? And time and time again, Leah produces a kid. And she thinks Jacob is going to finally love her. See, the problem is... Leah is trying to find satisfaction and joy in another person. She is this huge hole in her heart that she's just trying to fill with love. She's been rejected her whole life. Everybody's loved Rachel. Everybody wants to know who Rachel is. She's been ignored her whole life, and she is looking for love in all the wrong places. And in this place, she's trying to find love in Jacob. And she's trying to find this romantic ideal. And it's funny, Jacob's doing the same thing. Jacob should have been satisfied with Leah. She's produced him three boys. But his heart belongs to Rachel. The heart must have what it wants. And he's trying to fill the hole in his heart with Rachel and this one ideal of romantic love. I mean, that's what the world pushes, doesn't it? Disney movies after Disney movie. You can find your true love, your one ideal love. And once you find that love, everything will be perfect and you'll run off into the sunset and everything will be wonderful. But the thing is, nobody can fill that hole. That is too much pressure to put on somebody. If you think, finally, when I meet my boyfriend or I meet my girlfriend, then, then they'll love me and everything will be great. You know, my, 
My parents haven't really loved me. Moved around from home to home and back and forth. They keep getting divorced and remarried. And and my brothers are smarter than me. And I've got a new stepdad. And he clearly prefers his son over me. And you struggle with feelings of worth. And I'm not smart enough at school. I'm not athletic enough at school. Again, at home, in the family, people seem to ignore me. And so what happens is people try to fill that with this romantic ideal offered on TV. Find your one true love, and everything will be great. But the Bible says the only way to fill that hole in your heart is not through people, not through money, not through lust, not through pornography, not through sports, not through fame. The only way to fill that hole in your heart is with God. Well, Leah has a fourth son. And she names him Judah. And with this fourth son, I think she finally gets it. Because this time it's different. Judah means praise. Judah means praise. And in verse 35, Leah says, This time I will praise the Lord. This time I'm not going to go running after my husband to try to get him to notice me. This time I'm not going to name my son in such a way so that Jacob will notice me. This time it's going to be different. This time I'm going to praise the Lord. This time Leah gets it. The Bible says that beauty is vain and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Beauty is vain. Eventually, gravity takes its toll and everything drops. And beauty never lasts. But you know what does last is character and compassion and a love for God. The Bible says man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And I think you see here finally Leah gets the idea because she's a person, a character, and she finally says, all right, you know what? I'm not going to fill my life with Jacob and try to get him to love me. I'm going to pursue my God. And so she names him Judah. But you know what's really neat? Judah grows up and becomes the head of the tribe of Judah. And out of the tribe of Judah comes Jesus. The promise given to Jacob is finally fulfilled through Judah. Leah has become part of the promise. Through her line is going to come David, and then the son of David, the Lion of Judah, the Messiah, our Savior, Jesus. We're reminded here that you can't fill your heart with anything else. Nothing else will satisfy If you're trying to find it at anything else but Jesus, you'll come up horribly short. So I encourage you, if you haven't asked Jesus to save you, ask him to save you today. If you haven't taken that first step of faith, put your believing loyalty in Jesus and pursue him. That's the only way you'll find true love, true joy, and true satisfaction in this life. Well, Leah's not perfect, and she tries still to get Jacob's love. 
But Jacob, he loves Rachel. Rachel's barren and hasn't produced any kids and she's squabbling and complaining and Rachel and Leah fight and they have maid servants Bilhah and Zilpah who later fight and and there's just a lot of tension and Jacob is working for a liar and a cheat Laban he can't be trusted God gave him a promise and he's going to complete it but how in the world is he going to complete it with all this negative stuff that's happening. He's rapidly producing a very dysfunctional family. And what's going to happen next? Well, if we come back next week, we will hear how God uses Jacob. Despite his imperfection, God uses him because we have a promise-keeping God. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week.